everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about shock sticks, flying dirigibles, and an evil anti-goblet. Dun, dun, dun. And it looks also just like this other goblet that I saw in a picture once that was a painting. Very realistic. How evil could it be? It doesn't have evil cleavage. Uh, that's a really good point. So it may might be able to be redeemed, possibly. It's in a gray area of some sort. It's got unfinished business. It's got unfinished business. <laughs> hey, everyone. I am Beth Elderkin. I'm joined, as always, by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I wish the weather would figure out what it's doing, because the other day it was 80, and now it is snowing. I... And then also snowing with allergies is a whole situation. Oh. But you live in more of an allergy. Like, I, I don't understand. You live in a place where things just turn yellow based on pollen. Yeah, we literally had to uh, delay taping last week because my allergies were so bad that it, like, my throat was hoarse. Because we had, like, this weird ground ozone, like, pollution allergy situation that just just turn my body against me in every possible way. And you can still hear like the congestion a little bit because I'm still having allergies. I, it is always my favorite thing. It's like the, the, the wonder of the human body, the wonder of what human body we're actively being destroyed by our own environment. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> well, everyone, we are here to talk about season five, episode 22. Only you. That's a different only you. This is the only you. That was in season five, as it's a callback, just like Operation Mixtape is also a callback, uh, to a character that hasn't been around in several episodes and is only there to serve as a talking mouthpiece for Henry to talk his ideas at. We're going to need you to stand right here on this little X, and, and Henry's just going to talk at you for 20 minutes. It's important that you don't say anything and just sort of nod. Thank you. Yes. And, and definitely don't have any opinions that are going to contradict uh, this, this, this young man that you're with. No, and don't question a single thing. Just blindly follow. Just nod. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, excellent. Yes, absolutely. We're going to the library? Absolutely. Here, read all these books? Absolutely. Read them again once you're done? 100%. How long are we supposed to be here? <laughs> Well, this episode was directed by Romeo Tyrone and was written by David Goodman and Andrew Chambliss. So the showrunners were not involved in this part one of this two-part season finale that aired on May 15th, 2016, um, alongside An Untold Story, which is the season finale that we're going to get into next episode. Because we decided to cover them separately because there's just so much to cover here. So much. Absolutely mm-hmm. so much. And we want to make sure we're savoring the debut of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, the best that we can. That is true. We've been I hyping do- it up for quite a bit, so... And I mean, as lackluster and nonsensical as this episode is, uh, there are a couple things that work, and one of them is definitely Sam Witwer walking into the scene and doing the thing he's doing. I, As this listen, character, I am obsessed with the fact that we're late. We later learn after this whole thing that like his characterization was not what they wanted. Question mark. Well, yeah, they apparently that's one of the reasons why they they killed off the Jekyll and Hyde 
character story thing so early because they really didn't like what he was doing with the character. Which is insulting and also and inaccurate. In- inaccurate, insulting, and insane. All three eyes. Like... He gives such a, like, it's a different performance. I could see where they're like, oh, maybe this doesn't really fit, but it does. It mixes up the villainry in a well, way yeah. that is just not the and same thing. I was watching thing. it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. I was watching it through a the lens of experience because I have not rewatched this storyline because the the trauma of just <laughs> the rest of this series has not, has, has not left me. Um, so... I didn't, when I, you know, first watched it, you know, he was just Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We didn't have the context of what their actual story is in the world of Once Upon a Time, where Jekyll has a love and he's like the good guy-ish, although he does really bad things. It's, you know, a gray area. But when you like think about that, the moment that that Hyde gets like angry that Rumpelstiltskin has a love, like you see that thing click. Like there's there's something underneath the surface, and that's something that Sam Witwer was bringing to the character that wouldn't have happened with, for example, the actor who played Hades, who Ugh. just came in and just downgraded with every episode, just slowly sinking to the floor. Wait, could you imagine if several episodes from now, like we've all gone blind to this and like by the, like the last episode, it's just Sam Witwer walking around with his mouth kind of agape and he's constantly whispering about how much he loves everything. And he's just going to take over the storybook. It's going to be amazing. Like, could you imagine like cut from what just happened to that? That's what Hades did. Hades, we were tricked. We were duped and I'm so mad about it. I mean, how dare he, you? I mean, the whole thing was about Hades tricking people, so he pulled the ultimate con <gasps> on us. Breaking the fourth wall by doing a con job on the audience. You know what? Okay. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> I don't like it. We can respect it a little bit more. A little bit. Just... Mm. Well, everyone, we are going to go ahead and open up in Storybrook. Regina, we we start on Regina's very sad face. Apparently, the original plan was to start with Rumple doing his evil thing and then go to the diner. But I'm really glad that they they centered it on Regina right away because this is an episode that's very much about Regina's emotions. And as ham fisted as the whole like good and evil, evil queen is a distinctive person inside of me, which you know obvious parallels that we're exploring here I thought you know Lana Perilla did so good in this episode and I cannot wait to talk about the scene with her and Emma in the for some reason apartment they all still have and keep pristine in New York how like I know that like Robin lived there for a while like they kind of explained that but like they've been gone Who's paying for this? So many questions. But you're right, though. The speech floored me when she started. Like, I was prepared for the worst. And just this amazing conversation about her inner demons. I loved it. Yeah. At, you know, there were some writing snafus within it. But it was also something that Lana, I think, was able to kind of transcend outside of. So anyway, so she is, she's sitting in the diner. She's sad. She, everyone is around her, drinking to Robin. 
bows and arrows everywhere because what else is Robin Hood known for but bows and arrows? They even put him on his his like his death portrait. They just have like a bow hanging over. I'm I for whatever reason it reminded me of and I know yeah Robin bow and arrows but first of all that's a lot of bow and arrows to find in a very short amount of time. Second of all, it did remind me of that like SNL sketch of like what your mom animal was. <laughs> We're just like, use what's your mom animal? Cause like, and I don't have a mom animal. I have, I'm a, I'm a gnome mom. If you give me a yard gnome, I'm happy as a clam, and I will fill my whole yard with clam, with uh, every gnome. And gnomes are having their moments. So I like have gnomes in my house everywhere. They're everywhere. Um, I, I love the idea that it's just like, oh, I mentioned one time that I liked bows and arrows. No one knows anything else about me. I was also kind of into baseball. Where's there's no pictures of baseball stuff. Come on, guys. And the merry men are uh, having a cheers to Robin's memory with the son who also cheers. I felt bad for this young actor because they just kind of put him in a bunch of conflicting situations and ones that honestly I wouldn't put a real child through because... Uh, he eventually hugs the woman who murdered his mother. Listen, it had that very like the move. Like there's a Tom Cruise movie called Cocktail where they have like the pregnant woman at the end sipping a margarita, like or a martini or something, and no one said like I think the woman said something, and they're like, no one will notice, and everyone's like, why is the pregnant lady drinking? But I also love like an idea of like again a bottle episode. We don't get enough bottle side quest episodes. I would love like the Merry Men. Trying to like three men and a baby. <laughs> this poor child where they're just like, we don't know how to handle Like, what are you like? 26? I'm nine. Oh, so no beer. Like, just like a bunch <laughs> of frat dudes who don't know how to interact with a child. Because uh, that's what that's the kind of the vibe I was getting. We're like, no one knows what to do, but we also can't leave him with anybody else. So like, I guess you just come bar hopping with us. For Robin! Woo! <laughs> And Snow and David uh, come up to Regina. They offer her comfort and say they're here for her. And uh, then Zelina, uh, in one of her many moments that infuriated me beyond all recognition. I mean, I, I get she's trying to be empathetic with her sister, but the way she's empathetic is like, I think she needs to talk to someone who understands what she's going through. Bitch. It's it's so try hard. I feel like Zelina is almost trying to justify in her mind. Like she's almost like creating this fantasy of what her actual situation was to put it on par with what Regina is going through. It's like, oh, it, it, it's kind of like if what would be a really good compare? Oh, we've talked about this before where, you know, some something really like you, you experience something really traumatizing and awful and then someone goes, oh, I totally know what you're going through. Like, oh, you're 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 really you're you're really sad because uh, you lost your job. I get it. I get how you feel like there was one time where I was getting like I thought I was getting like the best job offer in the world. And then they didn't offer me as much money as I wanted. But then this other one did. And I was fine. But. It was, like, such a bummer, so I totally get what you're going through. Almost, and almost. Like, again, it is a similar situation, but, like, I would almost go as far as being like, oh, my God, you lost your job? You've been there for so long. 
One time, I lost my car keys for like a whole morning. <laughs> so like, I understand what you're going through. Like something, like what she's going through is so polar to what Regina is dealing with. And the way she handles it, and the way that everyone else handles it, like no one says anything like, Oh, no one clocks Zelina for this. They no. should clock her for this. I, I'll tell you what, for as many people who die around them constantly, they're all so bad at grief in a way that is bonkers. You were just in the underworld dealing with a perpetual state of grief and you're all still so bad at it. And they're like, oh, well, we'll leave you two sisters alone to be super depressed, uh, I guess. And bond over your depressingness. And then meanwhile, we also have Henry, who's sad and missing Robin. I mean, Robin didn't really play a big part in his life the way that, for example, Hook has been. Um, they definitely, especially in season six, are really going to be pushing this like surrogate father role. Oops. We're so close to the Pop-Tarts. We're so oh, close. We, we are so close to the Pop-Tarts. I cannot wait for the Pop-Tarts. We should have a bonus episode where we just review Pop-Tarts. Honestly, the bonus episode. bodies afterward. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, the Pop-Tarts is, the, the bonus episode will just be the 27 minutes of Pop-Tart related riffing we do. Yeah, we just we have to put it onto its own podcast. Yeah, we episode. had to take it out because it sounds insane to put in the regular podcast, but like it'll be its own special bonus episode that just literally starts with me going, "You can't have pop tarts with unfinished business. It doesn't make any sense. They finished all their business." And then uh, Violet comes in. Uh, you know Violet, um, who was so important, they had to open the previously on with an introduction of her because we all forgot who she was. Yeah, 100%. Like, it was just, I I don't know. They cast a lot of the same looking younger children actors other than the young Emma that, honestly, they'd be like, hi, this could be, you could just tell me it's whoever. And I would just go, got it. I'm on board with it. It's a young girl with brown straight hair. Got it. I'm in. And uh, she tells Henry that she, she was worried about him. It's kind of just kind of reintroducing their, their romance that went to the wayside. I honestly thought Violet had already left back to Camelot and stuff, but apparently they're still in town. So, and she's getting text messages like she's a modern girl. She went to the, she went to the Mint Mobile down the street. <laughs> that Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> I don't know who he is, but he's he's a charming jester. Um, I yeah, I thought that they all left too, which is confusing. Is like it was all confusing from like. I thought Arthur left too at some point. Why did I have that in my brain? But I guess maybe they all came back for the funeral. I I don't know. But there's one person who is not there at the funeral, and that's Rumpelstiltskin, because he is at the Storybook Clock Tower, and he needs all the power, because as he puts it in his verbal monologue to himself and, and a box, he says, since your father refused to wake you, I have to get more power in order to fix it myself. There should be a little addendum, a little asterisk that we see in the corner where it goes clarification, like a little pop-up video. Yeah. It's it's not that. <laughs> Correction. It's like, like a little Twitter disclaimer before Twitter stopped doing anything right. Um, 
where it's like, fact check. <laughs> he didn't refuse to wake her. He said, I will only wake her if you stop seeing her because you're horrible for her and I hate you. The little bubble pops up. Bloop. Um, actually. <laughs> no. I, I, feel like, I feel like that plus Belle saying, you don't get to wake me, my father does, plus Rumple trying to wake her and failing, thus showing their true love does not exist right now. Um, I feel like all signs point to uh, Rumple getting a big, big glunk on the head and being like, you are in the wrong. You, you and and getting more power is literally the opposite thing that Belle would want in this situation. Again, this is one of those things where I don't know what the writers are cognitively aware of what they're doing. Like, so we did the little bonus Patreon episode where we talked about like the little shorts that they put on there and they had the little short of Belle, like the little thing where Belle is reviewing books that she's not all the way through yet. And, you know, be like, oh, my God, Romeo and Juliet, such a great love story. Uh, hmm. Anna Karenina, yay. So, like, I feel like they know, but they don't know. Because I, I feel like they don't understand that, like, Rumpel shouldn't win at the end of this. The ending I know he has later doesn't make it seem like they know that he's wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 that they they want him as a protagonist, but they like him as an antagonist. So they have him be both. So he is an antagonist with no consequences. Yeah, listen, if you're gonna do the antihero, you've got to like you've got to concede some ground. Yeah, and they 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 want it both ways with him, and they cannot have that. And if you want him to stay with Belle, that's fine. But you have to fundamentally change something about her character. Because Mm -hmm. you've made her so lawful good that there is absolutely no way this enemies to lover story makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, the the closest we got was when she was back as Lacey, when she lost had lost her uh, memory as Belle and became Lacey again and was like into Rumpel being like the bad guy kind of thing. Yeah, It's it's. A person telling you that they have a hard no in a relationship and that other person having it and them desperately trying to make it work when the other thing is a fundamental part of that person. You cannot love this person without that piece. Mm-hmm. It's just not fair. Like, it's not fair to that person, even though I, the person I'm referencing is Rumpel. It's not fair to him. But, like, now he's also desperately trying to hold on to Bill. They're, like, in this big toxic loop of nonsense. And that's what I'm exhausted by. I'm like, they just go somewhere else. I'm not as invested in this love story as I don't think anyone is. I mean, I there's a, there's there are some diehards. There are some ride or dies with the rump bell. I am not one of them. You know what? That's true. I do think that they also concede some ground of some not so great moments. But like, mm-hmm. again, when you really ship some characters, you'll turn just about every blind eye you can to make something happen. That is so. Yeah. I think we've all been there. Oh, guilty for several (laughs) counts. Well, uh, Hooks, I'm sorry, Gold is like, my answer is I need more power. I need all the power. And so he does a tethering spell to uh, grab all the magic from Storybrooke and put it into a crystal. 
I don't get this and I'm never going to get this. So I'm just going to move on from it because I don't understand how Regina and Emma still have magic if all of it has gone into the crystal. I don't understand any of this. I don't get how Rumple could just do this so, by just holding it and going, Ooh. Okay, so I can't explain that part. The part I can't explain is that from what I under from the way I understood it, is he put all the magic into the little the little crystal McGuffin. Okay. And then it's got like uh what do I want to say? A range of um effect. So like if the crystal exists in an area twenty five miles all around it, the magic exists. So like when they go to New York and they and they she accidentally lights a trash can on fire. It's because they're within the 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 sphere of effect or whatever it's called of the crystal. But they were in Boston. <laughs> I take back every single thing I said. <laughs> I you're correct. <laughs> Maybe he was still no, no. No, never mind. I don't know. Maybe he was still there and then they were like I can't, I can't argue this. It doesn't make any sense because how could you then do that? Like how, it doesn't make any sense because. It really, it, it doesn't. We have, we have a magical MacGuffin device that will, that just can put everything magic because we need a ticking time bomb of something that can be destroyed and thus would destroy all magic. Dun, dun, dun. So yeah, so the, the crystal glows, all the magic goes whoosh. And Emma and Regina are kind of freaking out just as Emma was about to tell her some really, really big, really, really important news that's going to maybe make her a little bit, little bit, a little bit upset, a little bit on the fritz. Everything about this was handled so poorly. Again, no one knows how to handle a single thing like an actual adult. And it's a, okay, Regina, we're going to like, listen, so I know you're like super sad, but I have, I got, I have something to tell you. She keeps just... Stretching it. It's like she's waiting on stage in a live action play for Hook to make it from stage left to stage right through a door. (laughs) So, so, okay. So here's the deal. And listen, it's a, I'm here. Like, just burst through the door. Um, Because, yeah, the, the big drama is that Hook is still alive. Yes. And it's, and it. I understand the need to be empathetic and wanting to get ahead of what's going on, but they really are treating her like a child and they do that for a while. And I don't think that that's fair to Regina. I don't either. And I feel like, you know, they went to, they went to the underworld to get Hook back. Regina went in with that expectation. It didn't work, but I don't see how, Rumple, sorry, I don't see how Hook coming back just because Robin is uh, the kind of dead that they only did so that he can't come back. Yeah, the the special kind of dead that literally only exists for this one thing. Yeah. Um, like, and again, and I've harped on this before, but like the idea that they can't grieve because she can't grieve because she's evil, evil inside. Where they're like, we can't tell her a single bad thing because right now she's in a very precarious situation. It's like, she's allowed to have emotions and if she lashes out about it, that's fine. Like, anyone that's that's lost someone very close to them understands that there's a very 
interesting window of time in which you are not quite yourself. Yeah. And so like it and I and I've I've been part of it. I've watched it happen. You have to extend obviously people can't do super terrible things, but like you got to extend a little bit of empathy. Mm-hmm. So like I get wanting to break it to her, but I also don't get it to the point of breaking it to her as if she is a fight or flight or a, a flight risk of some sort. Because the way Emma is literally being so condescending when she starts. Like, I'm already mad at her if she starts talking to me like this. And then she has the gall to, once they realize what Rumble has done, and they go to the, the clock tower, and they're like, oh, I feel the aura of the crystal. Okay, thank you, Zelina. Thank you for knowing the plot. Thank you aura, for reading the I script. It. I feel it. Um, which which I find the, this whole thing very ironic, because... They're very like, oh, I see why Rumple came here in order to grab all the magic. They originally were going to shoot this in the woods, but they ran out of time shooting exterior. So then the last minute they brought it inside to the set. So like the whole idea of like, it's why he came here is technically not true because he was originally supposed to be somewhere else. See, I'm guessing at the well. A one liner. A one liner is all needed. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't he have gone to the wishing well or gone to the woods? Oh, because magic only works inside to do this. I don't know. Just a one-liner. That's all you have to do because I'd have asked the same question. Oh, we came here. Harness all the magic. Didn't all the magic come out of a well? Like, yeah. yeah why, why is the clock tower? Like, why is the clock tower the, the, the epicenter of all magic? I mean, just because it has a Cl- clock. It clocks. Like, I mean, no one understands them. It's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> and then Emma has the nerve. To tell Regina, maybe you should sit this one out. I, I am, I am fresh enough to recall in like three episodes ago how Emma reacted when a bunch of other people told her literally the same thing over and over again because she was unhinged. Regina's not unhinged. Regina is sad. And yet Emma, like, it, it's almost like, it's like the Zelina thing from earlier. Everybody keeps, like, projecting judgment onto Regina based on their own fuck-ups. Uh-huh. It, it's hysterical. Because I think we've discussed this before. In the top five ways you describe Ebba Swan, unfortunately, hypocritical is really up there. Because she does <laughs> yeah. this within in so many scenarios and honest to god she does yeah like you're right she does project again she projects again in neil's apartment about oh no i was dark once too and regina was like oh yeah let's let's do a body count like you don't know what you're talking about you resisted it i fully embraced it we are not the same yeah no no emma Emma is uh trying to do the human thing and failing at the human thing of connection until she just shuts up and listens. And that's when she does a decent job. Anyway, so Regina understandably gets very pissed that Emma is trying to tell her to back out. So she does a magic and is like, fine, I will solve this myself. She kind of does. And mean, so then they well, realize. Henry's also a part of this, by the way. Henry's a part of this mom fight. He and he's just is. like, stop it. Stop fighting about magic. And Emma sends him away. Like, you need to go home. Go immediately home. And he goes, okay. And then he doesn't. 
No, of course he doesn't because he's a teenage boy and uh, we need a plot. So he goes over to Gold's shop and this is when just Henry goes on a bender. (laughs) (laughs) Henry's got a vendetta and that vendetta is against magic, even though he is the author who represents all of magic. He hates it and he's always hated it. And it's... I, I wouldn't mind if this was presented as irrational and hasty and a bad decision that, for example, Violet pushed back against, but uh-huh. it's never presented that way. It's presented as a almost like a hero's journey. Yeah. I, w- with the problem with the Violet placement of her just being someone to just talk off of, I wish she would have had that kind of foil method of being like she's with him and she's kind of like with him but she's poking holes in everything and just both amping him up and stealing him in his journey but also like getting the information about why he's doing what he's doing because we never get anything less than surface level with him or more than surface level and as you rightfully pointed out this is the author and he lost the plot so hard (laughs) (laughs) several times I don't, like, the only thing he had was magic bad. And just, just, that's all it was. And it just culminated into all of these brand new pieces of information. My dad was trying to destroy music, or music, Jesus, magic. He, this, that, and the other thing. I have all this information. I know exactly where we're going to go. This book is important. He's never wrong. He never does a single thing. He has a full Ocean's Eleven plot to fool his mom's. Yeah, and it's all hinging on this super secret secret that his dad told him and nobody else ever. And the thing that he told, the thing that the dad told Henry, Henry, the true heart with the heart of the truest believer is I hate magic and I want to destroy it. And Henry never thought to tell a grown up ever. He kept the secret forever. I... I feel like it's a Game of Thrones hound and Arya situation where in Game of Thrones, for those of you who've watched it, the hound kind of has Arya with him for just a little bit of time. And he mentions that at one point he was so filled with vengeance that he had a list of people he was going to kill. And he said it to himself every single night. And that was a very dark time in his life. And he's moved on from that time of his life because he knew that that kind of vengeance was unhealthy and would get you killed. So what does Arya, a child, take from this lesson? I should make a list that I say to myself every night. Because that sounds so rock and roll. (laughs) She never learns the correct lesson. A grown-up tried to teach her a lesson. And I feel like that's the same thing with Neil. Neil was probably like, listen, I came here. I was going to destroy magic. But you know what? It's part of us. I've gotten through it. I've got through my stuff. No, Henry heard, destroy magic. We must destroy magic. It must go. Dad, my dead dad said so. So Henry and Violet head to New York uh, to follow the dad's trail uh, to a library uh, with the with, with the secret tomes room that no one likes to go into because they all read Twilight. Uh, and the moms are hot on his trail. And this is where I want to kind of pull pull the curtain back for a bit uh, as I knock over and all my stuff. Pull the curtain back and throw our mics to the ground. Yes, I mean, <laughs> I was... 
I'm not slightly tempted. Um, and I want to talk about an idea that, I, that formed in my mind as I was watching this whole thing. Okay. Because I think one of the things that infuriated me the most about this episode, because there's things I like and things I really didn't like. The one that made me the most angry okay. hasn't happened in our discussion yet. It's when they open the portal back to the Enchanted Forest and you see Merida stomp toward it and we never see her again. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even go through the portal. She doesn't say goodbye. All The last line we hear from her is her panicking of, how am I going to get home? How are we going to get home? Oh, here's a way home. Silent, and then just nothing. So here, the idea I thought of was, wouldn't it have been amazing if instead of randomly bringing back Violet so that Henry had his girlfriend with him, it was Merida. Merida has a legit reason to want to destroy magic. She's she's tried it before. It's harmed her and everyone that she loves. Ultimate fish out of water. You can keep her in her Merida outfit. It would be really funny. Oh my God, her stomping around New York City. Hysterical. Amazing. Like you could have had, because Henry is in gold shop when Violet comes in, is like, I got your text. You could have easily replaced that with Merida being like, what the hell are you doing? I'm supposed to get you home. And he's like, no, I have to go on a mission to destroy magic. Uh, here's here's a snow globe that's an entire doomed village for all eternity. I'm going to shake it. Um, <laughs> and, then she, and then she's like, either she's like, well, I have to make sure you're safe or let's I, I'm all for it let's go freaking do it and I think that would have been so interesting it would have because she would have also been his adult because my biggest question is how much these two children are doing that no one Karen's out about like someone is going to say something the fact that a fully adult woman let two teenagers with backpacks in the ancient forbidden tomes room alone and shut the door. Is this your first time interacting with teenagers? <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> Hello? So it would been, it, your theory would be great because like, or your idea would be great because then it would like give her the adult in his relation, like be like, oh yes, this is my like little brother or this is my whatever. Like we're doing this because she's tall and an adult. But she's also a fish out of water. So then there's all this time to punch up comedy of her not understanding. Like, she's the adult, but she's almost like a child who doesn't understand how society works. Yeah. And then, you know, you could have her be part of this two-part finale and her end with realizing that magic's important or realizing I need to peace out. Goodbye, y'all. And she leaves forever and go back, goes back home and gets the goodbye treatment that Elsa and Anna did. They got a whole, like post-log, you know, goodbye mm-hmm. sequence. I I just don't understand why Merida was there in the past few episodes because all she does is shriek and then vanish. And I was very upset about that because Amy Manson was good as this character. Yeah. They she deserved undo, a lot better. They undo quite a bit about, quite a bit of her and do, don't do her justice towards the end. Like, they just sort of, here you go. It's the same thing with, like, forgive me, but it's the similar thing with Arthur. You build this up this character and then you're just like, also he died, went to the underworld and now he's in charge. 
See you later. Like, you made these characters. You brought them into our lives. Send them out correctly. What is happening? Yeah, it, like, why do... Why does... the At this point in the show, the series cares so little about the people it brings into it. They are so disposable. Which is so weird. Again, they brought them in. They're getting rid of them like they're mad that we did this. <laughs> we didn't do this. No one asked for this. In fact, we would have liked literally anything else. So anyway, Operation Mixtape is is a go. I love how Violet just chuckles at that instead of going, "What? What are you talking about? I don't what what what's an operation?" Uh. Is, Listen, have you ever had like a cr- like when you were younger when you had a crush on somebody and you're just like yeah, totally I don't know oh, yeah. what's going on. Okay. Do you like baseball? I love baseball. It's my favorite thing. I love it when they score the points all the time. <laughs> it's my favorite sport. <laughs> Um, and then we see Emma and Regina following along on their trail. First, they get, they get falsely led to Boston because Henry hid his phone in another bus. He got on a bus, put the put his Life 360 uh, phone, like that Emma is the ultimate helicopter mom, like early. Uh, and then he tricks her with it. Like, she's like, no, I secretly put it on his phone. You're not secretly putting anything on a teenager's phone. Yeah, he knows. Like. Like, yeah, this just, just word for the wise. No matter how cool, I, it's going to happen to me. I'm going to be like, I am so cool and sneaky. They know. Uh, But yeah, then that's how Regina finds out she's got magic. I'm looking at the wiki page and they kind of explained that the the story, the magic in Storybrooke was just isolated to Storybrooke. But then once it left Storybrooke, now it's everywhere but Storybrooke. Like, first of all, could you imagine if you were like... A person that was magically inclined and you're just like walking around in a land without magic and then like some kid takes this shard into your realm and you're just like messing around and just something starts on fire ah! i knew it i was a wizard i knew it i call shenanigans on that because oh, me too well well no i call shenanigans on that whole like oh the magic's outside but now it's not in storybrook because Zelina uses the apprentice wand that's a, a different that's a different thing i don't know oh, how it's it? a different thing okay. or and i can't explain that it's a different thing it's just we're, if we're making tier lists like it's just like okay this is over here but the the sorcerer's wand or apprentice's wand lives outside of the bubble like <laughs> in a random tangent on that have you ever noticed how like the bulb on the apprentice wand looks like a brain yeah that I can't not like, see that there's got to be like a dark story to like because yeah. again every good magic lore when you drill down far enough, something super suspect happens. Something terrible that no one talks about has happened in order to launch the magic. So I would love to know why there's a brain on the end of that stick. I'm sure it's going to be terrifying, but I'd like to know. <laughs> well, while Emma and Regina are you know, following Henry, trying to figure out what's going on, Regina has this very heartfelt moment that we had previously discussed, so I won't go into it in detail. Suffice to say, she's feeling torn. She knows she ha- she knows she has to do the right thing. She wants to do the right thing. She's called to it. But all it does is give her pain. And also, you know, she's a she's a she, she's a Scorpio. <laughs> like she's giving such serious Scorpio energy because I feel everything she's saying where it's like, "Oh, 
you came in with your happy ending. I wanted to murder you for it. I'm not going to say I'm going to murder somebody, but I've felt that like, you know, it's it's a nasty feeling. I think we've all been there yeah. where you're just like, oh, you're happy. Oh, I want to crush your spirit. Yeah, it's the <laughs> it's it's two things that I, I know I've brought up previously, but like the one where it's like the difference between your conditioning and like. Uh, like the nature nurture thing where it's like your first response is your conditioned response. So like sometimes when you have like an anti-woman feeling, it's because you grow up in a society where you're supposed to be pitted against women. But you're like, no, that's insane. She looks amazing in those shorts and I'm going to go tell her you look great. Um, When your first thought was a little bit bad because you were feeling kind of whatever. But also like we've, we've talked about like dark magic before where it's just like almost like an addiction and mm-hmm. Regina actually uses some of that language where she's just like, you don't have to fight your instincts because your instincts are fine. Your instincts are good and light magic. My instincts are dark magic. So to be good and be on the straight and narrow right now, I have to ignore and I have to actively shut down my 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 desires. So like in in somebody who has an addiction to something like you have to like actively keep yourself from doing things like it's a physical strength which is what regina's doing she's physically stopping herself from making the bad dark magic happen Hmm. right i wonder if there's a way where she could physically tear herself away from it well divide it separate it possibly hmm. into another person like a i now hear me out this might be a deep cut like a maybe like a dr jekyll mr hyde situation what like that's fantasy that i i know it's a fictional book that has nothing to do with fairy tales but like (laughs) something to think about something to think about oh maybe we'll think about it in like five minutes because let's finish up let's let's wrap this up here actually let's think about it right now because uh, we have Henry and Violet. They are at the library and they are left alone in the secret tome of secrets. And Henry finds a bunch of Once Upon a Time books and there are different volumes and he opens them and we get a whole slew of um, calls to classic literature, uh, most of which we will not see in the show. And God, that's a so bummer. disappointing. God, it's so disappointing. Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Uh, Gulliver's Travels, eh, Nemo, that is going to happen. And we get a lot of, and, and I just, and, oh, Man of La Mancha. Why didn't we get a man running out of windmill? We I, deserved that. We deserved that. And we definitely deserved Paul Bunyan because I mm-hmm. wanted the ox. The illustration for that got me so hyped the first time I saw it. I'm like, this is happening. I'm so excited. What's Paul Bunyan going to do? Let's go. Like, <laughs> No. Yeah. And, and you know, Violet makes the point of, oh, are, these stories are all true. That means these are true, right? And and at no point does Henry go, oh, I read that in middle school. <laughs> I read that in uh, AP English. Like, you'd think he'd recognize at least one or two of these tales. Like, But it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy within a fantasy. It's a fantasy within a fantasy. Within a fantasy. But I also love that he, like, gives all the books to her being like, hey, read these. <laughs> what, what are the odds she reads English? Like, old English. Old, e- the old we, English. It must have been ye, ye once upon a time, but like, uh, like I well, they all have. E- I was gonna say there's extra e's at the end. They all have e's. They'd be weird. Once e upon e a time e. <laughs> ye oldie. It'll turn into pig Latin. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just 
But I love that they're all once upon a time too. Like, could you imagine like hearing the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with like, once upon a time, there was a little man who sometimes got super angry. And, and I always thought that the storybook, the storybook came to somebody in their time of need. Like the storybook came to Henry when he needed, when he needed hope. So do these stories do that too? Do they just pop in and out to someone when they need some Paul, some good Paul Bunyan inspiration? I was, I was just sitting here thinking about how I'm never going to be a really good gardener and I'm never going to make my imprint on the world. Who put this Johnny Appleseed book here? Hello? <laughs> and, but as just as Henry is losing his, his hope, the heart of the truest believer is shriveling up before our eyes because these books don't solve anything. They're just books. Uh, Violet just kind of looks over in the distance and goes, Hey, I once saw a painting of the Holy Grail. That goblet kind of looks like it. That's, maybe we should break the glass and steal it. They, they, they let those. Why was they there let no those, alarm? They let those children in there and didn't care. One hundred percent. That was a sliding glass door. Yep. He could have just and taken it. No alarm. Nothing. Just fully swung it open. Take it. What are we doing here? No yeah. one comes. No one hears the broken glass and goes, the children are reading. Tomes. And I'm, I'm sorry. The fact that there is a, a goblet in your legends that may or may not look like this other goblet that we found in a library. And the goblet reportedly has the source of all magic. So that one must be the anti-magic goblet. The leaps in logic here are so bananas and they're all correct yeah no they're never wrong like like oh this is the this is the anti-magic goblet which one's the magic goblet oh that one's over there it's the goblet of fire if you put your name in it you have to do a maze it's kind (laughs) of shit uh but yeah no they're he just says stuff and it's true i wish that was like it came to a point where we found out that it's just because he's the author that if he starts speculating things, it just starts kind of existing because he can write stuff into existence. What if his voice is so, so wonderful in storytelling that he can be the author with spoken word? It's the author in the age of television. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, spoken word killed the author. Uh, it's just audiobooks. And then... <laughs> He oh, later no. has an argument with the uh, previous authors about whether or not audiobooks are real books. <laughs> oh, and then, oh no, the next author is ChatGPT. <laughs> that would be so funny. We, we decided we were going to go with the AI and then all the yeah. covers are actually NFTs. Yeah. We lost a lot of money. <laughs> So they grab the anti-goblet because lo and behold, it is the anti-goblet of evil and they're getting ready to leave. And oh no, Rumpel's found them because he he was secretly listening at the door of Emma and Regina right as they found the solution. And he puts them to sleep. Why Henry didn't write in the uh, in his little book, the uh, the crystal appears in the author's hand and Rumpel Stilton can't can't go anywhere. He's stuck in quicksand. <laughs> <laughs> and can't stop farting. <laughs> like, 
I'm obsessed with this scene for so many reasons. First of all, Henry, like I said, did like an Ocean's Eleven style heist to get to where he's at ahead of anybody. And Rumple still outsmarted him. He he had to have known Rumple was coming. How yeah. did he not, you know, like just like, oh, something's happening. Like, and Rumple, like the, 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 the crystal appears in the author's hand and Rumple can never touch it again. Boop. Like... Rumple. Whenever Rumple sees the crystal, all he sees is, uh, I don't know, an orange. <laughs> what do you got? Nothing. Just got orange. When Rumple Stiltskin thinks about the crystal, he his hair turns on. His hair lights on fire in he a bad starts, way. He starts screaming and running in the opposite direction. Yes, <laughs> just like a hypnotizing thing. Like, um, dude, and yeah, Henry, so he's just if you're like, gonna abuse your power, abuse it right. It's it's like one of those things. At a certain point, you've broken a pretty big law. Just go for broke. Like, you can't get any more jail time for what's about to happen. Might as well really, really swing for the fences. So if you're going to break some rules, break them all. Let's go. Yeah, follow Rumpelstiltskin's example and uh, choke a cross... Choke a toll booth worker who's just doing his job. Just do... Come on, man. Like, first of all, Rumpel's whole journey in this episode is bananas but i i do really appreciate henry's like neutral good journey of trying to be bad because he doesn't quite know how to be bad true he plans enough but not enough to protect himself in a way that he would need to which is hysterical because he's just so pure of heart uh but yeah rumple just like rumple is spending the episode being violent to people who don't deserve it but also doing like a P.S. I love you situation with this little box that his wife's in. <laughs> it's like a little comfortably sitting in the passenger seat. And he's just like, don't worry, don't worry. We're going to be together. It's fine. I'm going to grow and learn to design shoes and move to Ireland with Kathy Bates. It's going to be fine. <laughs> well, as in, so Rumple takes the crystal. He puts the kids, he make the, makes them take a nap and he heads to a hotel <laughs> Where he's going to try and bring Belle back using the power of the crystal. But something gets in the way. Hmm. But the, how that happens, Abby. Well, we it turns to out. take a journey back to Storybrooke. Well, but also it turns out that Radisons, uh, you can't use magic in. <laughs> so it's part of their pride. Anyway, so mm. Storybrooke, we have our portal that was made with. The, <laughs> I now just can't stop thinking about the end of the stick. So the brain stick makes the portal a bunch of characters unceremoniously leave including tiny no not tiny um yeah well, it looks it, no, like it the was, giant it was, leaves it was that was uh, uh that was um little john little john okay i saw that and i'm like why does he have to go but apparently like a lot of storybook characters also leave to be safe because Again, giant leaps in logic. We've removed the magic from Storybrooke, so if magic gets destroyed, Storybrooke gets destroyed, which doesn't make any sense because there's no magic in Storybrooke beforehand. Yeah, it's already gone. Got it, got it. Okay, so it's confusing. So they send everybody and they're like, yeah, we're going to do that. But then the portal gets too strong and pulls the team through. It turns into the alien from that movie about water, not Avatar, the other James Cameron one, The Abyss. The Oh, <laughs> not the way. Of, no, not the way of the water. What's the one where they like 
It's the is it an M Night Shyamalan movie where it's like the the Aquaman not an Aquaman like oh Lady in the Water Lady no I'm thinking about the one where she has sex with the fish guy. What's that movie? I don't remember what it's oh, called. Oh, Shape like, of Water. Shape of Water. Thank you. Let's say The Way of Water. I think that's a completely different thing. So anyway, they get sucked into it with some sort of whatever. Enter your creepy movie, water movie here. Get sucked in. And then they land at this very, like, not real looking <laughs> Americana-ish. Dingy. Late. Yeah. And then they land. They're like, oh. They run into a person and they all... Listen, I understand that they are all from Storybrooke. Not a single one of them is a normal person. But the way that they speak, they're like, what land is this? Just Where are we? Is fine. Like, just where are we? What day is it? Give me some context clues before I start saying weird anachronisms that aren't for you. Because... Everything they say is nonsense to these people. Yeah, like, if someone had randomly come into their town when they were still under the curse and been like, what land is this? They're just going to be like, it's Maine. Are you, like, who's to say that they're in a land at all? Yeah, you're literally next door. Like, you're just up the road. Um, Maybe they're just in Eastern Europe and they've never been. They just You've got actually tele- time traveled. Got- yeah. It- yeah. But yeah, they ask all these bonkers questions and exactly what would have happened in Storybrooke happens to them where they come in, start speaking strangely, and they're immediately arrested. <laughs> don't tell me that that wouldn't have happened in Storybrooke. We have to, some, something funky's happening. We don't know who these people are. We don't trust anybody. So we're throwing them in the old clink. So they throw him in. They talk to this guy, this little kind of weaselly looking guy with his little glasses. And he's like, no, I'm just a, uh, no, please don't talk to me. And they throw him in this very strange... What is this built for? Like, I like, liked all the set pieces for this, but I'm so confused by the everything that is their jail cell. And why? I'm confused by it. I'm confused why Mary Margaret is, like, so amazed by the fact that it's round. Like, she's like, I've never seen a jail cell like this. It just looks like... A cage? Like, it's not that out of the ordinary. And then also the bars are enchanted, but they're in a place of science. Like, but I think that's also because it's the land of untold stories. So it's like, yeah, everything just kind of piles on top of each other. I was going to say, because the people that are the, the one single person that is the two different people is the suspension of belief we're supposed to have. But then they're also like, also enchantment. It's like, all right. Because, again, we keep riding that line of defining science versus magic, and we just never, we never land on it. So they're in the jail. And I don't think it's a jail. I think it's, like, it was probably just, like, a repurposed, like, animal situation. Because there's, like, things inside of it that David can access. That's a bad jail. You shouldn't be able to find tools. I think, well, he, 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 like, broke the stool to make that shiv. Like, he made a shiv. Like, that was yeah. a full-on shiv. Good for him. Uh, I mean, I'm wondering if maybe it was originally the cage that they put Jekyll in when they Probably. apprehended him. Probably. You know? So, the warden comes in. The warden. The warden. And it is bloodshot eyes. And it is bloodshot eyes. Mutton chops. But kind of current hairstyle but don't worry about it 
and and a voice that sounds suspiciously like Darth Maul in in the Clone <laughs> Wars and other various voices from various Star Wars in <laughs> which whenever I hear it I go oh, it's Sam um yeah he comes in and absolutely tears it up like he just comes oh, in and he's like I don't care who you are I just I simply don't and I am probably going to kill all of you so but I'm going to figure out where you're from. And then they, like, whole situation. They A lot of talking happens because apparently none of them have ever been behind the behind bars before. So they're, like, yelling. And I'm like, you have no ground. You are in the cage. Yeah. Why are you acting like you are morally superior? You are two feet shorter than he is, Snow. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Chill out. Uh, he chokes him. No, he, no. Yeah, he chokes. He chokes. Hook. Who does he choke? He chokes Hook. And and Hook, like, like, he's, like, grabbing his neck for the rest of the episode. (laughs) He's just like, "Eh, I'm in the back. Eh, Listen, just because we've already kind of gone there. Like, maybe he wasn't holding it because it hurt. Maybe it awoke something in him. Maybe he was just like, Mm. What were those feelings? It was a bad but good thing. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Oh, so not not about that aspect of that, but like oh, okay. just as the larger like conversation about hook and things to enjoy. Um, I was looking up. I was looking up. Uh, I was on Etsy and I was looking up like once upon a time like shirts and tank tops. Um, for because uh, I'm going on a Disney cruise and I wanted to wear like a Once Upon a Time shirt one of the days and see if anyone gets it. Um, there was a lot of attire, uh, of uh, fan art of Hook and Peter Pan. The the Once Upon a Time versions. Apparently, that is a huge ship. Is Hook and Peter Pan Rubble's daddy. He's and I was child. not aware of this. It's child. It's child. He's well. He's well, shaped like a child. He's shaped like a child. But he's. He, it's just so. Bad. I, I, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. There's so many of them. Okay, so two things. One, don't get those for the cruise. No, um, no, no plans. No plans. So, I thought, so yeah, no. But at the same time, like, I get. It's one of those things. Like, I get it but barely because it's the whole like it, I feel like it opens up the whole conversation of just be like should an immortal being be dating a 17 year old like no even if they're shaped like a 17 year old because they're still old like the whole Twilight the Edward Bella yeah. thing where it's just like just because he looks like they're the same age he's not he's lived a whole life he's got the wisdom she's not got the wisdom as we all know I, I guess because I I think it's still, I don't know. I'd be pretty sus of that. Cause that's, yeah, it's yucks. Again, it's yucky. Uh, yucks. Uh, but also, I thought you were going to go a completely different way with that because I've definitely want, read uh, several of Katie Roberts' fairy tale, <gasps> fairy tale oh, books. Oh, yeah. And the hook stuff, uh, it gets it gets pretty intense. Like, someone was just like, oh, this is like what would happen if it was like a little bit... I don't even remember how they sold it to me on TikTok, but it was just like, oh, it's the first Katie Robert book I ever read, so I had no idea what was going on. So she was like, oh, uh, this is if... I think it was if Tinkerbell and, and Hook fell in love. And I'm like, I'm sold immediately. Let's go. And I start reading it, and I'm like, get into like chapter three. 
oh, oh, it's that kind of book. Fantastic. There's a sex club involved. Let's go. I probably mentioned this at one point. And I apologize. But uh, did you know I interviewed her once? You interview all the coolest people. <laughs> I interviewed her when her first Disney characters sex books came out about yeah. uh, Jafar and Jasmine. Yes. And yes. I interviewed her about it. And it was very fun. Well, yeah, I read cold. I cold read the hook Tinkerbell one. And there's clearly so much stuff that happened before. It, well, I'm like, yeah, there's lore. Welp, I got to go back. I got to <laughs> read the rest of them. But I read that. And I think I told you the one time that I like randomly decided to listen to Neon Gods on audio tape. And that was an experience. I, I'm not an audiobook person. I don't think they work for me based on like listening to a male author try to imitate a woman's voice seems <laughs> doesn't doesn't really work for me especially in a book written by like Kenny Roberts where you're just like hmm I don't and also anyone that's listened to it I couldn't get Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi like the way his voice is affected that's what the male author of <laughs> Neon Gods on Spotify sounds like to me I'm like I just I just see Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi I'm upset. <laughs> this it doesn't I mean, work. but if you and McGregor's reading a sexy book, but it's but it's not you and McGregor. It's you and McGregor as Obi like it's the Obi Wan Kenobi as you and McGregor being Poseidon, not Poseidon, being Hades, and in a in a whatever world. So like it doesn't it didn't quite jive the way that I thought it would. I listened to quite a bit of it though <laughs> so before like, I just got the book to read the so, rest of it. So. <laughs> he's having a love scene with with the love interest and she 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 undresses and the first thing he says is hello there hello there (laughs) okay okay anyway let's go back to let's get back in the cage we we escaped from the cage but now we are being forced back in while while the warden chokes hook yes let's get back to the reason we've spawned off into a whole different thing (laughs) basically he's just like no i'm gonna leave you guys here till you basically die uh because he references he references or they reference Rumpelstiltskin oh he does he he, he does. assumes that that they oh, are agents the, of the dark one they are and, agents of the dark one yeah yes and they're like no 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 we hate him he's totally sex also he has a girl he's a wife and and snow just spills all the beans like she holds no cards you have zero leverage you what are you doing like get out of the cage before you do that then do that then hit him with a shoe or something girl get it together so he leaves because he's now like he's been super triggered by the fact that like Rumpel found love and he's in a precarious situation with yeah. this love. So he he has found um, a loophole and a way to gain leverage. Snow, this is how it's done. You just sit quietly while someone tells you a bunch of stuff and then you act on that stuff while saying nothing. The 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 is it the groundskeeper that he goes yeah. by? The groundskeeper comes in and he's like, Ah, you I will get you free. It will be amazing. So they give him the wand pieces, because the wand got broken. Give him the br- wand brain stick pieces, and he goes downstairs to the I lab. just have to say, Zelina would have never agreed to that. Never in her life. No. Nope. He goes downstairs and f- starts fixing it and with science. Six, with science science um and a guy comes in and he's like no and he like attacks him 
And then he's just like, time to say hi to the warden. And just like pours all this juice down his throat. It was such a chaos scene. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way this is the standard operating procedure for how we go from one to the other. But okay. So then we get an absolute 10 out of 10 CGI camera effect switch from Mr. Hyde to Dr. Jekyll. Oh, you mean up? From Other Dr. Way. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde, sorry. Uh, and I even switched it Went, oh, I have to switch it again to be right. I switched myself too many this, times. This was like Scorpion King levels of bad. I'm obsessed with, I'm. it was so bad it turned a corner for me and I was in love with it. It was 15 camera angles and then just the one they held on to was the one where they're like, we'll make his eyes like blue in the sockets, but then these red things coming up. And then we'll form their faces. Like, I feel like doing the face transition gave it away too much that it was, they were clearly different because they shouldn't have had such different bone structure, I think. But whatever. It's whatever. It's, I get it. They're two different actors. It's whatever. But it's just, it's so funny. It was just like, this was the culmination of the episode was just, this was the guess who it is. And... I was got by it the first time because I was like, oh, they're the same person. That's so great. It's Dr. Jekyll. Yay. This time, knowing it was coming, I was like, I'm so ready. Let's go. And Sam Witwer appears, Mr. Hyde. And he's like, what happened? Why am I bleeding my own blood? And he's like, oh, so I had to do it. Oh, you did this? No one does that. And he chokes that guy, too. He's big on choking. He just throws him. He's like, what was he doing? He was down here. He was trying to fix the lab because he was trying to save them. And he was like, hmm. Dr. Jekyll has not been down here for quite some time. Interesting. Like, this is all coming together. And he's like, I am going to ruin Rumpelstiltskin's life. Because now I have the wand. Let's go. And I I have the wand. I know how to use it. And I know exactly what to use it on. Even though at no point did anyone tell me that Rumpel's wife is now in a box. I don't think... I think it was he was just trying to get her. And I think... He just got a box instead. Okay. I haven't watched the second. I haven't watched the other episode. Have you watched the next episode? But then when he gets no, I have not. But when the box drops down, he knows the wife is in it, and he's like, "If he wants to see his wife again, he's gonna have to do what I say." At no point has anyone told him the wife is in the box. I'm wondering if he thinks it's an urn, because again, this is where I got the "P.S. I love you" thing from. It just definitely seemed like an urn situation. <laughs> Where it was, this is my urn, and I've kept my wife's ashes very small and tiny in it. But, like, yeah, it's just, he gets that. And then, so, Rumpel is in his, the Radisson Hotel, off 1095. And it just, it takes from him. And he's like, And he does the panic thing. Like, it was very, it called back to when he lost uh, his son, when he lost Balefire down the hole. And he's like, ah, trying to get out. Like, He's still like, he's still like a complete coward. He's still so afraid. And you'd think after uh, just about six seasons now, that's one area of his life that he would have been able to grow in a little bit. Like Regina has, I'm just so frustrated with how little growth they've let Rumpel have. None. He's had no growth. Like, yeah. Every time he starts having growth, he regresses. And they let that happen. They make I, it happen. Like, they well, yeah. want it to happen. And it, I don't understand how they think that that is 
is compelling. Because I am not compelled by Rumple anymore. I'm just annoyed. Yeah. Like, he was such a great villain at the beginning, but then he just turned into, he knows everything all the time. And I do appreciate, thinking about it, the fact that it apparently is a genetic thing that was passed down to Henry eventually. (laughs) Where he just speaks things into the universe, and it's true, because he needs it to be. Manifestation. The Secret. (laughs) Written by Rumple. Well, everybody, that was season five, episode 22, Only You. And the only reason that this was named that is because apparently it's Henry and Violet's song from a long time ago has no other bearing on the episode whatsoever. In fact, we don't even actually ever hear the song. We did in a deleted scene, but they didn't keep it because the they episode didn't get was the rights. too long. They couldn't get the rights. Well, they, they did film it. It's just like the episode was too long, so they had to cut stuff. So they cut that. So they cut I, they cut the reason for the title. Oh, so we it's such a deep cut, you'd have to watch all the deleted scenes to know it. Fantastic. Exactly. So I know that this is all like a, a build up to an untold story, and I am excited to watch that one because we do end with that big sweeping shot of the land of untold stories. We've got a castle. We've got really very beautiful CGI, and whoever made it put a lot of love into it. Yeah, like they did. They, like they were telling a story with the with the CGI that they created. It's just really too bad that like none of it really comes into play, and we know this for a fact. I know. I do very. I do very clearly remember when we when we did the episode, the the, the next episode we're doing next week. But when we did it the first time, I just remember you said the word dirigibles so many times. <laughs> you were. <laughs> So pumped about dirigibles. I'm I'm happy dirigibles eventually came into play because if they wouldn't, I think you would have quit the podcast much earlier. <laughs> like, no, not a single dirigible was mentioned. I'm out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like there were a few standout moments. Regina in particular was doing some really good stuff, even if that whole line of the evil queen coming out to play made me want to... Um, smack my eyes um and fall down um but overall this episode just like it's a lot of nonsense and not the good kind of nonsense that you get in like alice in wonderland or you know once upon a time in wonderland like it's just they they need their things the way they need them so they just do the things they need and narratively it doesn't make sense and narratively it's not interesting yeah, it. I really do think if they would have hardened up Henry's piece, it would have flowed a little bit better because a lot of the stuff centers around them. Like, Emma and Regina's whole storyline center around trying to find Henry, as does Rumpel's. And we don't really see Rumpel's, we just see Rumpel being violent and then finding them and winning up until the very last moment. And Emma and Regina's is a is character-based movement when... Uh, Henry and Violet are moving ahead with a plot that I don't think ever even really comes into play again. Like, not again, but I think this this culminates in him giving a speech next to a lion, if I'm remembering correctly. Like, (laughs) he gives a very bad speech. But those didn't flow together in a nice enough way to, to justify what was going on. And I think it was the weakness in Henry's mission in general. Yeah. Because we are supposed to be following Henry. Because that's what we did in season one. We believed Henry. We believed Henry. We wanted people to believe Henry as well. 
and we were fighting with him. Now we're just like, this is a terrible plan. <laughs> we're against Henry. Just because we're confused by it. And we also just have no stake in Violet. And they give us no reason to have any stake in her. Unfortunately. Yeah, and she's only in like three more episodes. And then in season seven, it's mentioned offhandedly that they broke up in their senior year. Oh, two teenagers didn't make it. (laughs) Get out of town. (laughs) Well, everyone, want to thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get those podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. And if you're interested in bonus content like our recent episode where we look at the Once Upon a Time Jane Espenson shorts, you can subscribe to us at patreon.com slash OUA timing. Uh, we want to thank, of course, our wonderful patrons. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Cecile Jenny. Thank you so much, Cecile. And thank you to everybody for listening. We're going to be back next week with season five, episode 23. An untold story, but it will be told once we watch it. So it's an oxymoron. The untold told, but untold before, before it was told story. Hmm. Hmm. Tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. (laughs) Thank you everyone for joining us and Abby, we'll see you next week. See you next week.